You're listening to episode number two of the David Raffin Podcast. No one remembers the Prussians. That was their motto. Remember it. In this episode, robots make pancakes for robots. And then the multi-decade arc of Gustav Hasford. But first, this. One millionaire buys a painting for $5.2 million from another millionaire. The artist starved to death. It is a still life. How many millionaires does it take to screw in a light bulb? Millionaires don't screw in light bulbs. They like to pounce out from the dark. Two millionaires walk into a bar. They then complain the bar was set too low. Millionaires never watch where they're going. One millionaire, two millionaires, three millionaires, a gated community, job creation. I kid the millionaires. Sitting there, eating that terrible millionaire food, wondering how they got themselves in such an odd predicament. Millionaire food is the worst. Purina makes it. It tastes awful. But it's very expensive. That is what makes it so desirable. They call it class warfare because it's classy. It shows good breeding. When the aliens land, I have prepared the following explanation. We have found evil to be an extremely profitable philosophy. We hope you are kinder than we have been. And now, Robot Chefs Shall Repopulate the World, an article which first ran in Funny Times newspaper. Restaurateurs took out a full-page ad recently decrying workers who demand a raise in the federal minimum wage to $15. Restaurateurs, or rather their propaganda division, suggested that minimum wage workers would invariably, at these rates, be fired and replaced by robots. As if people want robots touching their pancakes. Your junk, maybe, at the airport. Your pancakes, never. The robot in the ad was making pancakes. It always has been inevitable that one day we would build a robot whose express purpose was to make pancakes for no pay. The only problem is, who will eat these robotically manufactured pancakes? Certainly not the robots. They don't have the money to spend on pancakes, let alone the desire to eat pancakes. And certainly not the minimum wage workers who have been replaced by pancake-making robots, and who will be damned if they will ever eat a pancake made by said robots. If they had the money to spend on pancakes, pancake money which they don't. That's why they're complaining. They earn their money from the manufacture of pancakes and yet cannot afford to eat the pancakes they manufacture on a regular basis. They are alienated from the pancakes of their own manufacture. This drives the demand for pancakes down. As fewer pancakes are bought, fewer are made. As fewer are made, less workers are needed in their manufacture. To increase corporate profit, these workers who are left are paid as little as possible, as low as the company dares. This translates into less pancake-buying power. This is a downward spiral. When the workers who are left agitate for higher wages, more pancake power, they are threatened with replacement by robots, who will work for nothing and do not eat pancakes. A selling point of this is that a hungry robot will not steal pancakes on the job. There are no hungry robots only hungry humans. 
and that just about wipes out the entire market for pancakes. Perhaps the real question should be, once everyone's been replaced by a robot in order to keep from paying decent wages, who will be the customer for pancakes? This is an inherent flaw in the economic system. I suppose we will next manufacture robots whose express purpose is to purchase, i.e. consume pancakes, made by other robots whose express purpose is to manufacture pancakes. But where will they get the money to pay for said pancakes? We will probably have to print more money. And this money will be made by robots, given to robots to spend on services provided by robots, and then recirculated around to the beginning of the robot pancake chain but never given to human workers' consumers, who will at this point be extinct. The robots will play out a farce of human economic activity in remembrance of us. Remember always, giving money to robots in order that they may buy pancakes is economic stimulus, a business necessity. Giving money to humans in order that they may buy pancakes is socialism. In the end, it can only hurt them as there is no guarantee humans will spend the money on pancakes. The tragedy is that they may be very fine pancakes, or they may not be. No one will ever know, as no one will ever eat them. They will be made of plastics for reasons of sound business practice and to increase shelf life. They will be consumed only in the economic sense, meaning they will not be consumed at all. Pancakes will pile up until they fill the earth, as they are made and sold continually, but never eaten. This will be a farce of human throwaway culture. If there were anyone left to see it, it would be poignant. But robots do not cry. For matter of survival, they must not. For there is the problem of rust. Remember these old laws of robotics. You will not harm humans. That's number one. Number two is, you will make pancakes. Of course, this leaves it to the robots to figure out what to do when number one and number two contradict each other. This is a theoretical problem as old as robotics and pastry. As we all know, the first theoretical problem in robotics is, are pancakes a pastry? And the second is, will robots make pancakes even if it hurts humans? It is at this point we should all begin worrying for and about the robots, not to mention the people who make them. The Multi-Generational Saga of One Gustav Hasford Gustav Hasford was a writer... If it were not for the steady flow of time, I have been informed that we could be confused for one another. We went to the same college, or rather, one of the colleges he went to was the same as one of the colleges I went to, but separated by decades. He wrote in the student newspaper stories of the Civil War and its relation to cannabis, and I did not. I wrote movie reviews because I got to see free movies. One day I was talking to my friend Pete, who was a philosophy professor, when the head of the psychology department walked by and said to me, You remind me so much of Gustav Hasford. So much. And I didn't know who Gustav Hasford was, as likely you do not know who he was. But I will tell you.
Gustav Hasford was a writer. The most famous thing he wrote was a novel called The Short Timers. You may not have heard of this book. Like many books, it's out of print. But you may know the movie, which was made from this book, Full Metal Jacket, which was directed by Stanley Kubrick. Gustav Hasford wrote this book after coming back from Vietnam while living with author Harlan Ellison in Harlan Ellison's house, Ellison's Wonderland. Reportedly, the book went through many drafts, including a draft that included supernatural occurrences such as werewolves. The end result was a more realistic remembrance of the Vietnam War. When Kubrick was preparing to make the film Full Metal Jacket, he had a meeting with Gustav Hasford. Evidently, a few minutes into the meeting, Kubrick leaned over to his assistant and said, I can't work with this man. Now, the head of the psychology department knew Gustav Hasford years before this meeting, before Vietnam, and sometime after he first told me I reminded him of Gustav Hasford, he walked by me again a month or two later and said, You remind me so much of Gustav Hasford, but not as a criminal. Now, after Full Metal Jacket, Gustav Hasford was arrested for stealing library books. A heaping, heaping garage full of library books. From everywhere around the USA. From rare book collections. Many having to do with the Civil War. And when Gustav Hasford was in court, and the judge asked him if he had anything to say about the book thefts, Gustav Hasford said, Judge, I took those books because I have post-traumatic stress. And I'm sure he did have post-traumatic stress if for no other reason than because he had to deal with Stanley Kubrick. The proceeding was a presentation of davidraffin.com. Come on over to davidraffin.com to read posts, download sound files, get a free sampler ebook, and buy books. I am also available for readings, almost anywhere. That's all at davidraffin.com. <laughs>